Welcome to the Go Podcast. Go aspires to engage the local church in global missions. We seek to share mission stories that encourage, edify, and equip other Christians in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ at home and abroad. This podcast is a part of Liberty Bible Church Global Ministry. Your hosts for Go are Cami Sandner, a missions partner with Liberty, and joining her is Kevin Cram, pastor of global engagement at Liberty Bible Church. Welcome back to Go. We are so grateful to be able to bring you a new episode today that kicks off a series that we're calling Cultural Values and the Gospel. What do we mean when we say the word culture? What comes to your mind? Often we think of the more external aspects of culture, music, art, types of clothing, and the rituals we perform in life and the such. What frequently goes unnoticed are the more fundamental nuances of culture, the values, the priorities, the stories that radically influence the way a group of people see and interact the world. What are some of those subtle cultural traits and how often do they affect the ways missionaries communicate the gospel? Those are the questions we'll be exploring over the next few weeks. So Cami, who are we talking with today? Today we'll be speaking with Matt Henning. Matt works in ministry in Chicagoland region and is currently a PhD candidate in intercultural studies at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. In addition to his studies, he brings a wealth of experience in understanding cultural, having lived and served many years overseas. So Matt, thank you for being here today. Yeah, glad to be here. I guess the the easiest way to start this episode is with a simple question of what is culture? How do you explain the idea of culture to students who are just, frankly, unfamiliar with the idea or the concept? Yeah, so I think there's there's a few ways people have tried to explain uh, the idea of culture. Um, you know, Paul Hebert says it's a, a learned patterns of behaviors, ideas, products, and um, products that are characteristics of a society. Um, I've heard people use analogies sometimes. I, I think you may have heard of the iceberg idea of, you know, there's 10% you see, but then there's the 90% that's hidden. Um, uh, there's, there's other ones, maybe like the onion, um, you pull back layers to get to the core of what people really think. And sometimes those analogies are helpful and sometimes they're a little bit too basic. Right. (laughs) Um, um, but, but by and large, I think, uh, Hebert's rights, it's kind of the behaviors, ideas, and products that are really characteristics of the society. Yeah. I think it's interesting. And when we're talking about culture, it's important to, to recognize that culture isn't just the outward manifestations. Um, you know, it's, it's, it is those things, you know, it's the things that you can observe and see when you go to a different place or you're in, in interacting with a different group of people. Um, but there's a lot more going on underneath the surface when we talk about culture. And the analogy that I like to think of is like an operating system for like a computer or a smartphone. And I, I remember a couple of years ago when I, I made the switch from Windows to Mac, like a lot of people do. And I remember how crazy it was. I wasn't expecting about how much of a learning curve there was in, in learning a new operating system because the way that the the interface functioned and how, to put it a different way, you know, a kind of a weird way, but how the computer expressed itself was completely different. And what I learned is, is that uh, those decisions that, you know, the programmers made and made in that, that, that operating system were based on values. You know, like, so for example, Windows really values functionality. And so all of its operating system was, was built around that value. 
whereas Mac really des desired elegant design. And so they, they had an opera system that reflected that. And I feel like culture is the same thing. It's all that kind of coding underneath the surface of a culture that really affects how the, the culture then manifests those values externally through behavior and rituals and things like that. Do you think that's an accurate comparison? And like, how would you go about like using analogies in our real world to kind of describe culture? Yeah, that's a good one. I've, I've not heard that one. Um, sounds, sounds pretty good for the Gen Z generation. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's good. Uh, yeah, I think, I think it's true. Uh, people do, operate differently in different places, different priorities, different values. Um, and I think it's helpful to have a framework like that when you really start thinking about these things. Um, everywhere has, you know, their own uniqueness, um, some things that are good, some things that are bad about the culture, right? Um, one thing I would say is I, I really try really hard not to fall into the trap of essentializing. And, and that's, that's saying that this place is essentially like this. So I think one one thing in in all examples is that I try to be really careful of saying this is how they think or this is what we think or we value this other places this and essentializing it is it's essentially like this in in a sense and you know we're in a globalized world culture is always changing um, we don't live in fixed realities anymore so one one of the one ways that I tr always try to even explain that is that I like what's called the river um, analogy. Um, I don't know if you've heard of that one before, but it's, um, it's, it's, it's gained a little popularity and it's, it's kind of the idea that we, that culture is like a river. Um, it's can move slowly. It can move fastly. Um, but it changes sometimes. And just like you can think of American culture, like people would say it's changed in the last 15 to 20 years. It's, it has maybe slowly, um, but it has. However, like you were saying, people at, make up values and have th things about them that make up the culture. And so we kind of think of that as like the boundaries of the river or the riverbanks that kind of are pushing the river in a certain direction and, 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 and thinking of how the society is moving. Um, and so, yeah, it can be slow moving. It can be fast. Um, and people are the ones that are kind of directing that and, and the way that they think and the way that they're viewing the world in, in a sense. Um, and so I like it that way because it shows that it's like it, culture can change. It does change, but it's certainly influenced by these banks that are, are kind of moving and, and, and driving the direction of the river. Um, and so one of the things I, I always tell people, and this is, I, I don't mean to make it complicated, but I always say culture works better sometimes as an adjective than a noun. Um, and so, you know, it's like you think about, you go into that river and you take a, a sample of the river and you pull out the water and you can look at it and describe it. Um, but you wouldn't say the whole river is this way. You wouldn't even pretend to understand the whole idea, but you pull out this sample and you say, here's kind of something we notice. Um, and yeah, maybe not everybody thinks this way, but by and large, this is a good sample of what's going on in this situation. Hopefully that makes a little bit of sense. I, I, it's a complicated example, but I think it really fits well. No, you're absolutely right. I, and I, and it's very difficult uh, to talk about the idea of culture because it is so complex. Uh, and I know that there's a lot of research and books written about this topic that's just ongoing. And even if you think about it, you know, there are the various different layers, like the idea of cultures within cultures and countercultures. And, you know, culture is just not, 
you know, limited to nation states um, or even people groups. You can have cultures within families and cultures within organizations and how they interact with each other. It, just, it gets really crazy really quick. <laughs> but, but it is really important, a concept really, really important to understand when we're talking about, you know, communicating the gospel. So when we talk about the kind of underlying values of any given people group, like the basic unspoken assumptions that just influence external behavior. What are some specific examples of this? I know we talked about it can change and, and variate, but do you have anything you could share? Yeah. Yeah. That's, and that's absolutely true. Kevin, I love what you said about how, you know, we're cultures within cultures. We have hybrid cultures. Globalization is just changing everything. So it's, <laughs> it gets complicated, but, but there are certain things that you're right that are, um, that are tr- are just true that you can look at and you can describe in, in cultures. And so one of the things that I, I think is really interesting is, is like even just looking at leadership culture, uh, you know, in America, we have a million books on just about every bookshelf about leadership. Um, it's something really important to us. And in America, when you think about leadership, it's usually like, we almost think of coaches, right? It's really important that you're able to be a good leader who can coach your team to victory. Um, and so most of those books that you, you'll notice, you'll see this common theme of like this leadership coach who's able to, um, you know, conquer the, the against the odds. Um, and this leader is, you know, the, the value is not that they are a PhD, stu- uh, you know, it's usually that the CEO is this person who doesn't get a PhD, who's this entrepreneur. I mean, there's almost an aversion to, to education, you know what I mean, within this, uh, this, this understanding of leadership. However, you know, you look in Germany and most CEOs in Germany have PhDs and there's this high value of education and, and, and being, you know, um, highly educated. Uh, you know, you go to India, the, the, the idea of the leader is someone who's like a hero. You go to Eastern Europe and it might be more of like a strong arm type of leader. But, but in a sense, they have these values that make up even who they are as a leader. Um, and we, and of course, like I said, we can't essentialize that. It's different. Um, even in America, 40 years ago, this wasn't how it was. It's slowly changing. And, um, but it definitely looked, I mean, when you, when you get into the Bible and you look at Christ and how he leads and you start asking cultures what they think about that, there's going to be differences of opinion. And you kind of have to understand how their culture sees leadership. And, and then to be able to even understand and explain some of these stories on what Christ is doing as he leads um, and so I think it's really, really important to have that understanding. Yeah, there's a really helpful, um, there's a lot of different tools out there for parsing and understanding different cultural values. One of them that I really like is 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 by a Dutch sociologist. His name was Gerd Hofstede, and it's called Hofstede Insights, His Six Dimensions of Culture. And I'll put a website on the show notes if you're interested. It's really fascinating. He kind of goes into kind of six values or areas on a spectrum that really define how cultures operate as far as their values. And one of the things, just going on the leadership thing, one of the things that he identifies is the idea of power distance. And power distance is simply the idea of how much does a culture value hierarchy and authority? And so some cultures place a high value on authority. And so they they have a high degree of respect for leaders um, the, the hierarchical structure in society is just assumed and accepted, whereas other cultures are much more suspicious of authority, and they tend to try to level out inequalities and create egalitarian you know, 
kinds of societies. And so, for example, in that kind of dimension, United States is very low on the power distance, whereas a culture like Japan is very high or China is very high. And I see this in operation. I don't know if you see this in like academia, but like when students come from East Asia to study in the United States and they, and they sit underneath like an American professor, they're like shocked at the informality of American, you know, classrooms, you know, like the professor coming in in jeans and a t-shirt and saying, Hey, you know, call, don't call me, you know, but Dr. Smith, call me Gary, you know? And, and, yeah. you know, Asian students will come in they'll be like, Oh, I can't do this, you know, because they have such a high, high power distance that to, to speak informally to a leader above them is completely at odds with their values. And so that's just kind of another example of like these cultural dimensions, these values that, that shape how we behave and interact with people, particularly like you said, in leadership. We've talked a lot about leadership and the power distance. So what are some other pitfalls or challenges that just a general lack of cultural understanding can commute, uh, can just create for people seeking to communicate the gospel cross-culturally? Yeah, no, that's a great question too. I mean, um, yeah, communication is key. I mean, if you can't communicate, the hearer can't hear you. And I think that's one of the reasons we talk so much about culture is that um, if we can't understand the culture, we don't even know what we're saying. And it, it's just, it's, it, it, it's so important. Um, there's one example that I can think of that's, this is just a really classic example of when missionaries went to China and they were translating the Bible and um, they got to the word dragon in revelation, which we, you know, when we think of the dragon, we think of pure evil. Right. Um, and in China, you know, one of the big symbols of the dragon is, they see it culturally as luck, power, nobility. And so, you know, they're sitting there going, okay, how do we go through revelation with them and help them even understand what's happening when we're basically saying the dragon, the symbol of, of nobility and power. And, and, you know, what is China is the evil, you know, so that understanding that now that doesn't mean that you skip that part of the Bible. It just means that you help to better explain what the Bible is talking about. When you, when you talk about the dragon, you can't just skip over it. Um, you have to help them really get a grip on what's going on. So that kind of shows the, you know, the importance of that. However, you know, today, as we were saying, culture changes. Um, everybody's watching American movies and they they have a pretty good idea of what the dragon is today. You know, and so if you're talking to somebody who's over 50, well, then you might need to explain it. If you're talking to somebody who's 18, well, they kind of probably have an idea of what's going on. And it would probably be pretty weird if you went into this hour long thing about the about the dragon. Um, but one other example that I think is is even maybe even better um, is maybe even just looking at culturally what is the most um, egregious of maybe sins. I, I think I've heard people say that in the West, the, the most egregious sins are like particularly sexual sins. However, you know, when you go to like maybe an Eastern culture, the most egregious sin might be envy. Um, I remember, you know, someone telling me um, when I was in another country that somebody just walking up and and pulling out a candy bar in a room and eating it in front of everybody is literally one of the most egregious sins you can commit because it just shows such greed. Um, and that, that missionary who will just turn around after eating a candy bar in front of everybody starts talking about the word to, to do that. You're just basically killing your witness. You're, you're, they're thinking to themselves, why would I listen to somebody tell me about a God and living rightly when they're just so greedy? 
And so understanding the culture is so important, especially when you're trying to think of like, what's a stumbling block versus what gives me even a platform to share um, the good, the good news. Yeah. When you use an example like that, it's almost like frightening. Um, Cause I remember when I first started uh, as a young missionary trying to grasp this concept, it was really overwhelming. It almost felt like there's this Canyon or this wall that existed between me and people from other cultures. Like, you know, I felt like learning another language seemed doable to me. It was like, okay, that's hard work, but you put in the effort and you can learn the grammar, you can learn the vocabulary. But there's now this like whole unspoken language that I have no idea how to translate and interpret. And um, it was really overwhelming for me for a long time of like, how do I even begin first to understand it and to recognize it and then to be able to translate, you know, and communicate the gospel with these big cultural divides um, separating me and the hearer. Like, so when you, when you were a missionary, when you talk with other missionaries, what are some things that you um, advise them skills that they need to learn in order, in order to be able to relate with people cross-culturally? Yeah, Kevin, that, that example that you gave about learning language and how this is even harder than learning a new language I think that is that is so true. It is it is one of those things where people think this is the easy part, and it's actually not. It takes the most time and the most effort, and so I think that's a really good way of putting it. Um, but I would say a couple things. First off, there's grace. Um, you're going to make mistakes if you if you try to engage in this, and so that's par for the course. Um, there, you know, that's just that's going to happen. Um, however, I think there's things that you can do. Uh, you know, there's some good books that I would read. Um, there are some books that I have read recently that I'm like, man, I wish I would have read this 10 years ago. My goodness, I would have saved me from a lot of pain. Um, there's, you know, and then there's other things too is, and one is like our posture, I think is to realize that our goal isn't to dissect a person or their culture. Our job is to love and celebrate what God made. Um, of course we deny what is not good in that culture. Um, but, um, and we warn people of those things and we try to help them, but, but by and large, what's good and holy, we celebrate and we learn about them. We, we, you know, I was, I was even thinking the other day, there's things that are culturally American about my family, but from living overseas, I'd say there's stuff that's culturally, you know, Bosnia and there's things that's culturally South Asian that we've like picked up because we just love and appreciate it. And we've made it who we, a part of who we are. Um, and so I, I think, yeah, number one, it's realize you're going to fail. Number two, it's Try to do some things to learn about things. Read some read some good books that maybe might be some suggested by your pastor. Um, but and number three, it's just like seeing the beautiful ways that God manifests Himself, putting yourself in positions where you're going to learn about other people, making yourself um, um, in communities, placing yourselves in communities where you're going to learn. Um, but then to realize, like, here's the thing: there's no magic bullet or discovery that's going to make you successful. It takes time and natural, sincere engagement. Um, there's no shortcuts. Um, you have to put in the time. That is incredible. In fact, what I love about that, Matt, is you know that has nothing to do with getting a PhD in intercultural studies. It has nothing to do with like doing, you know, years and years of formal training. Um, you know, this th- those are the types of skills and postures that that I think every one of us should have, regardless of whether we're going to serve overseas or not. Um, because as kind of what we've mentioned, we live in a globalized world where, you know, the world is coming to us no matter where we live now. 
And I think just what you just described, I think is a, is the exact type of way that we should be approaching, you know, just life normal right now. <laughs> and uh, I just really appreciated, you know, what you shared there. Thank you so much for joining us today, Matt. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that, Kevin. And, and thank you, Cammie. So before we wrap up our episode today, we just want to end on a note of personal reflection. We try and do this every week just with a question. So Kevin, how are you going to lean into prayer this week as a result of our conversation today? Yeah, I was really looking forward to this conversation and the series um, because it's something that I'm really passionate about. Um, You know, having spent a lot of time, you know, living overseas and um, interacting with many different other cultures. Um, it was just such a, a learning experience for me and transformative for me personally to to come to these realizations of how um, these values and worldviews and ways of seeing the world affect you know how people relate to our heavenly Father and. Um, and it just enriched my personal life, you know, the way that I saw God and the way that I interacted with Him. Um, and it made me even more passionate and desirous to want to see people from different cultures to know Him and to glorify Him. Because, you know, someone from Japan or someone from um, uh, the Middle East or someone from Europe just has, in some ways, has more of a grasp on the gospel than we do because they're just predisposed to certain different things through their culture, through their values that, that we might have blind spots in. And so this is just such a huge and complicated topic, but I think it's, it's incredibly important and it's not just for missionaries. It's not just for people um, who are going to serve overseas. It's for, um, it's for every person here um, that is that is interacting with different groups of people, with uh, their neighbors, um, and within their community. And so, my prayer is is, is that we would learn be to be learners more of culture and what it, how it impacts and affects the way that we uh, um, think and live. I absolutely agree. I almost wish we would have done this as our first episode of the <laughs> podcast. I, it's just so all encompassing, and I think there's something to say about learning culture and you know general like contextualization of the gospel and sharing with others. And it is something that you can use with anybody right now because we are so global. And so I think just through learning this and and experiencing it, I think my prayer would be for Liberty, especially to be able to train our missionaries more about culture and the people group before just saying, hey, you were called to a certain area. Okay, great. Learn the language and, and we'll support you. You know, there's so much more that goes behind it. And hopefully we as a church can and can start that move. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'm really looking forward to this series and to some of the other guests that we're going to have on that'll maybe talk more specifically about some of these things. So we're really, really looking forward to that. And we're really grateful that Matt was able to come on today. Well, thank you for tuning in and listening. We aspire to give you real-life stories and experiences to help you in your current phase of life. As always, you can tune in for our next episode in two weeks as we hear more about this concept of culture. We'll dive into more specific examples of the values that shape how we view the world. And remember to go and make your life a mission.